Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello, and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today, I'm joined by Gladstone Leslie Samuel, who aims to energize organizations and empower employees. He has lots going on, so I'm going to leave it to him to tell you more. So thank you for joining us, Gladstone, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really appreciate uh, uh, accepting my request to be a guest on your podcast platform. I'm really thankful to that. And I'm also sorry that I couldn't participate as per the original schedule due to some emergency. I really appreciate uh, accepting my revised schedule. Uh, but I did, I did take some time to understand your background and expertise and uh, watch a few of your videos on YouTube. It was quite enriching on different topics and different experts coming on a platform and sharing their insights. And I'm sure your audience uh, take a lot of things uh, after interacting with you on different social media platforms. So I really appreciate the efforts. Oh, the side, you, uh, you, have, you have your presence on social media. <laughs> so coming to my background, uh, my name is Gladstone uh, Samuel. And then uh, I have uh, a BTEC uh, in chemical engineering. I have done my master's in journalism and mass communication. I have uh, MBA in information technology. I also have a postgraduate in industrial safety. Uh, coming to my certifications, I have a, a project management professional PMP certification to handle global projects. I also have a 6 Smart Green Cell certification. I'm also a certified technical writer. Uh, coming to my uh, career progression, I have more than 20 years of corporate exposure. I've been associated with leading uh, companies like ABB, Invences, IDC, Pick and Technip. And uh, my core focus areas include employee engagement, project management, and technical documentation. So that's my uh, brief summary about my background. Oh, you have lots going on and lots of well-named companies in there. So good for you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I guess I'm giving what your dream, uh, you know, focuses on. Can you briefly explain the concept of a dream job and share your thoughts on whether it's a myth or reality? So, uh, well, the concept of dream job was always confusing and fascinating for me. Uh, even today, though I've been in this uh, domain for a long time, I feel that uh, there is no uh, uh, there is no absolute lack of uh, absolute clarity in terms of this concept because it's very blurred and there's always a lot of debate between uh, whether it is a myth or a reality. So ideally, if you uh, talk about a dream job, it is about uh, an individual able to meet all the expectations. Uh, but in reality, the, uh, the the objectives of a dream job have diverse expectations. For example, an uh, individual could be influenced by the compensation and benefits, and if it's going to be very lucrative, that could be a dream job for a particular person. For another person, it could be working in a company that has a very good brand reputation. For a few, it could be working on a cutting-edge technology. Uh, for others, it could be working in a company that is the best place to work. Or it could be working abroad in global assignments. Or it could be also setting up your own business and uh, so on and so forth. So the dream job uh, dimensions are pretty multifaceted. But then according to me, uh, what I realized over a passage of time is that every job, according to me, is a dream job. For the simple reason that uh, you need to do your best uh, given a task or an assignment. And during the process, you get uh, uh, the uh, job satisfaction, you get opportunities to learn, explore, collaborate, and, and co-create, and do many other things. 
as long as you have the mindset and i think every job becomes a dream job for you and that uh, gives a solid foundation for your career progression and you can go to the next levels so there, there is nothing like a job which is inferior or superior and that i realized is pretty late because uh, uh, spending for a dream job and then you don't get the one you get frustrated uh, over a period of time and then you lose uh, your interest motivation that shouldn't happen so it's important that uh, you uh, attach a due amount of importance to every job and uh, do your best and for example when i uh, completed my engineering way back uh, uh, 23 years ago uh, i really wanted to apply the concepts to what i studied at the university in real time so i was looking for a job that could give me an opportunity to to really appreciate what i studied at the university i got a job in a fertilizer manufacturing in, uh, industry and there i could really sense and visualize what really happens in real time in terms of production that gave me a lot of satisfaction though the job uh, situation was very risky because it was a chemical process industry there was occupational hazard uh, personal safety concerns working in shifts despite all these constraints uh, at the end of the day i felt very happy that i have chosen a job that is giving me a lot of satisfaction in terms of learning uh, understanding new concepts uh, uh, visualizing what production is all about so at that point in time it was a dream job for me but that is not uh, that is not what is all about so i wanted to move to the next level so it is it's a constantly evolving process it is not something which is stagnant every job becomes a dream job as long as you able to uh, do your best then i think uh, uh, there is nothing like you're not taking right now you're right because everybody has their own different um views of what a dream job you know so, some people might say okay well they have a great retirement package or this one has great benefits or this one i have you know sick time and vacation time and this one says i don't have any of that but i get great pay every week so depending on what your needs are and like you say it evolves through time what might be your dream job this year maybe now you have a growing family you need additional things and that dream job suddenly isn't cutting it so yeah uh, understanding it all and yeah it's really important Yeah. Because that, what I also find Patricia that uh, quite of my uh, colleagues and peers at work uh, they always talk about a dream job and they get frustrated and demotivated because they're not able to meet their expectations. Right. Uh, they feel that they need to become a director on the board or they want to become a CEO CFO. Maybe the thoughts are good but in real time it doesn't happen. But uh, what they also miss out is they're not able to do a good job in the current assignments and they miss mm-hmm. out on that and that's something which is crucial and as, as long as they have to appreciate that given an opportunity they need to prove themselves and then uh, they are on the right path and that's yeah. where the, the the mindset plays a huge uh, part in terms of pushing yourself in the career path yeah and having you know realistic expectations like people you know nowadays they graduate college and they want to be president of the company i mean oh. most of us started from the ground up i was a receptionist i was a secretary i worked my way up the corporate ladder i blood sweat and tears but i did it all and i eventually reached the point didn't happen overnight you know oh, and, yeah. pe- and i had to really i was working 18 hour days nights weekends you know you paid your dues um oh, yeah. i learned a lot which was amazing oh, yeah. um yeah. but people have to have realistic expectations because we we live in a world of instant gratification everybody wants what they want when they want it and that's now so that's not life <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah absolutely just adding <laughs> to uh, what you said patricia another thought that comes to my mind is uh, uh, maybe a few few years ago in my earlier organization uh, uh, what happened is i also created my own position in the organization that's how the dream job evolves it's not that uh, it's it's a, it's a title something for example uh, it was a big organization it's called abb and we had more than 3000 employees sitting in one floor 
and one of the biggest challenges for the management was about communication and it was always talked about in the management and executive team meetings and i found that uh, given an opportunity i can plug the gap so i went to the national plan to the management saying that why not give me this opportunity i'm there to uh, push whatever is required from a communication perspective maybe it internal communication mm-hmm. marketing or whatever is required for the organization to move forward and the management was more than happy to give this assignment to me mm-hmm. and over a period of time i became an internal communication specialist though i had a chemical engineering background and i became a part of the management team Yes. and they were and they were very gladly accepted my uh, my contribution and they created a role which was not there in the organization that <laughs> so that's how you need to uh, take things forward so it's not that it's a job designation or a title as long as your, your purpose is there you're passionate about what you're mm-hmm. doing and things are going to evolve for you yeah and they probably saw your you know motivation your dedication to success where you know a lot of people like i know people who you know they can be very talented but they just think that's enough there's a lot more involved in that and if you like anybody who started their own company their own division whatever you know sure. you have to really see it through and it doesn't happen at the blink of an eye unless you like even i always make a joke not that it's funny but i always say unless you have a cure for cancer nobody cares but even that doesn't happen overnight that took a lot of work to get there and you know people have to learn and understand that absolutely Another dimension, Patricia, is that uh, during the process, uh, what I also felt is any obstacle, hindrance, or challenge becomes a wonderful opportunity for you to demonstrate yourself. You know, yeah. so you don't uh, lose your interest, or you don't don't get detected, or you don't uh, lose your patience. But then, as long as you're passionate about that, then you find ways and means to to to, to circumvent the problem and find solution to that. and that is a win win because you also learn during the process and also benefiting the organization and employees and they'll be more than happy to receive that and then you know uh, and and reward and appreciate you and that's the yeah. best thing as part of the job satisfaction yeah absolutely i mean i always love that you know any type of job is not that you love problems but it's always like what can we do with this you know can you, how can you make this better and to stand behind that and be like i was part of that that's amazing yeah. you know and if you you feel good your company feels good Yeah, yeah, people have to really see the big picture because I always tell everybody it's not about you. You have to look at the big picture. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, very true. Yeah, because you are part of the organization, and there are a lot of other employees, diverse expectations, uh, challenges, mm-hmm. and as long as you're able to uh, put them together, have a common vision, and then helping them to uh, to be successful, then I think you're doing it. So, yeah. Nice. Now tell us in today's rapidly evolving job market, do you think the notion of a dream job has changed compared to a few other decades ago? uh yes patricia what i feel is when we uh, reflect back about that gen z and gen y uh, their career aspirations are completely different maybe we too belong to that category uh, we would not be too much interested about having a social status attached to the job but as long as we get a job we are able to uh, manage our livelihood then it's fine uh, so that's how we thought our careers when we started uh, maybe a couple of decades back and then uh, the problem is right now uh, the gen z has a different uh, uh, shift in terms of how the job market is all about they want to get everything uh, right up they want to get the promotions tomorrow they want to travel abroad they want to work on category technologies they want to get a fancy designation it's not going to happen in real time mm-hmm. so there's a huge paradigm shift between how people thought about the careers uh, a couple of decades ago and how people are perceiving it right now so that is uh, a, a, a consideration for balancing uh, the, the reality versus expectation that's a challenge here so mm-hmm. as long as uh, you are able to uh, match this expectation then i think uh, you're on the right path uh, for example 
uh, I was talking to a few uh, new employees as a part of uh, my job, and uh, they were uh, they the, the 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 job role what we defined was not what they were actually expecting. They said, "I want to have a, a complete flexibility in the work. What I do, I want to be completely empowered." The language itself was completely different to the times when we were being hired. Uh, we had a very stringent uh, job description, rules and regulations, etc. But this is not the case right now. They're asking for a lot of things which the companies at certain point couldn't afford as well. But then things are changing. You know, uh, the the employee engagement concept itself is going through a transformation. They're talking about employee experience, holistic well-being, and the very nature of work is being redefined. So uh, definitely, the the dream job concept has gone through a sea change now, and uh, still there is a lot of uh, flux when you. Uh, try to match the expectations of reality and gen said this in a completely different world and post covid uh, companies are also struggling to match their expectations in terms of providing them the flexibility uh, and uh, giving them good opportunities etc so uh, i i i really believe that uh, it's going to be a, a long haul for the companies uh, moving forward in terms of matching the gen said Also, they cannot lose the expertise of the senior people, so they need to be sure of what how they take a judicious balancing the uh, different workforce. So, in terms of uh, uh, the career expectations, uh, they should have some customized approaches to to balance uh, uh, everybody's career path and ensure that uh, attrition is low, and also ensure that uh, they are uh, taking care of the part of their uh, journey and all. Mm-hmm. It is funny with the different generations because, like, we all know how it was when we started, and yes. you know, when I see like my my kids and my stepkids and my friends' kids, and you know, different generations, and I just sit here and I'm like, when they complain about the jobs that they have now, and I'm like, I did ten times what you're doing for like one tenth of the salary you're making. And that just is what it is. That was the job you had. You were grateful to have it, and we did so much more. And I'm like, we we couldn't complain. Like even walking in, say, I don't know, say a supermarket. Yeah. You know, no one cares how bad your day was. Every customer was, "Hi, how are you? How was your day? Can I help you with anything? Oh, Ed, did you find everything? You know, you did everything. Now they're on their phone. Can, can do, you're you're doing all the work, and you're like, you have a question, and they're just like. Oh, just scan yeah. it, you know, and I'm like, oh my god, if I ever did this, you know, but it, the generation just completely changed. So I'm a little out of the loop on how you know employee employees, you know, because it's just completely different from how it was back Absolutely. in the day. Very different, and if you see larger organizations, the companies where I worked earlier, we have the silo mentality, and I'm yeah. sure you uh, you accept that people doesn't want to even say hello or say good morning or good evening. They just are attached to the laptop and they. Don't even turn around and say or oh, wish uh, the colleagues or peers. And this is not my job. You give me a task, I come at nine and leave at five. That's my task. Yeah. And there's no way I can. I, I need to collaborate, network, no others. Uh, there's no, absolutely nothing written in the job description. They're going to that level, and it's very surprising and strange because this can't be written in a, in a corporate policy. And as uh-huh. you're working in a company, and then you're expected to move people, uh, learn, enjoy, uh, have fun, etc. But I think uh, uh, that is. Uh, uh, A challenging proposition in current context. Yeah, uh, definitely. That, that term that it's not my job. Oh my god, I want to strangle somebody. I'm like, there has to be somebody's job. It's not mine. I'm not getting paid to do it. <laughs> you know? No, yeah, yeah. yeah true. <laughs> and uh, at times, you know, it is very demotivating as well because uh, certain toxic influences come into play. You know, that's very difficult to manage. And as long as one uh, toxic employee is there, it is bound to corrupt the entire system. So you need to be careful about weeding out this. Uh, People uh, at the at the nascent stage and ensure that, that there's uh, a balance in the team. 
and uh, uh, the moment you uh, uh, tend to be a bit more lenient, then it's going to be a problem in this case, which I have experienced uh, a number of times while handling files. So I ensure that there's no silos when it comes to uh, uh, talk of files. So people talk to each other, exchange ideas, wish, you know, share knowledge, and only then uh, the, you become a part and parcel of the team and you're doing it for your own good and for the benefit of the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, tell us, what advice would you give to someone who feels that they're not in their dream job and they're struggling for, to find fulfill, um, fulfillment in their current role? Uh, well, uh, as I said earlier, uh, many of my uh, friends or colleagues or others who are working in different organizations always ask this question to me that uh, what this dream job is all about? I am still not finding one. Though they are in a very good position, they get good salaries and they are held in high esteem, they still feel a bit of uh, emptiness in there. And uh, what I find is uh, a dream job is uh, is constantly evolving, uh, and there is no uh, end to the exploration process. There are a lot of questions, pieces being written around that dream job, but that's a different story altogether. What I realized is uh, you need to be sure about your purpose. So when I started my uh, management role, I was very clear of crystal clear about what I wanted to do. So I said to the management that I'm good in my internal communication. I, have, I like to network. I need to. I like to collaborate. So I would like to become an employee management manager in the company. And I had uh, proven demonstrated skills. And the management was more than happy to give the role to me. So the purpose and objective was pretty clear. So once it is there, I was very passionate about what I was doing. It was not a nine-to-five job. I used to come at nine, but I absolutely had no clue as to what time I left office. And there was nobody to even supervise and monitor me. I was directly reporting to the CEO. And he told me last one, I found a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Please do whatever you want and just ask for the support we are ready to give you. And that's the language what I had or the, the or the association what I had with my CEO. Because he could see visible uh, changes in my approach. And he was saying that it was for the betterment for the organization. The employees were energized. There's a lot of uh, improvement in the productivity and uh, there's improvement in the morale as well. So I was passionate about what I was doing. And the rewards and recognition automatically flowed in. So that is how uh, you need to be sure about you know, positioning yourself. And then also you need to be sure about how you adapt to change. Because I find people are very stubborn to, to change. They said, oh no, I will be in this position. Nobody can change me. I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to learn new things. This is the technology I will work. But that can't be the case in the currently mm -hmm. uh, rapidly changing environment, right? So you should have an open mind, be receptive to change, accept the change, and then take some corrective actions or or learn something so that you're able to move forward as a part of the process. So as long as you're having a flexible mindset, then I think you're on the right path. And quite a few employees are very stubborn to change. And that is uh, uh, not good for them because uh, managers will feel that, okay, this is not the right fit for a new role. So we look mm -hmm. for some other opportunity or some other candidate. That's bound to happen. And then uh, you also need to be sure about balancing your expectation of reality. This is one thing which I keep uh, stressing time and again, because when I... Uh, became an uh, an employee engagement manager is not that they gave me a salary hike uh, right away. They said, uh, please prove yourself. And that's how it's going to happen in real time. It took me two years before uh, the management really appreciated, though they really supported me. It took two years for me to, uh, to uh, for them to give me a salary hike based on my device performance. And uh, it does take time, isn't it, uh, Patricia? Because uh, you need to be uh, sure about your results, your outcomes, and they will try to assess your not only your performance, your attitude, your behavior, which I find is extremely important for your career progression. So, so all these things uh, come into play. So, when, uh, so what I felt is uh, I need to be sure about my attitude, character, which is the fundamental building blocks of your career path, and then also your competence and skill. And then once you're sure about your expectations, then you match the reality. And once you're able to do that, then you're on the right path. 
and that's how i have positioned myself over the years so at times it didn't happen at that the moment i thought you need to be patient as well it's not that you ask today and tomorrow the management is going to give you the job the job or role what you like then so prove yourself and similarly there was another incident which i would like to quote for example though i did my apnt certification for global project management when i went and asked my superior that i want to run a project they said and what is the basis on how i can give a project to you do you have any proven experience and i absolutely had no answer to them because i didn't handle projects at all mm-hmm. though i had a valid certificate they wanted for real time experience so they said okay if you go and shadow somebody who's doing a project and after 6 months we will reevaluate you can access your skills and then you can pick up a project manager it took me more than one and a half years before i could be officially called as a project <laughs> so that's how it happens in real time so you should have the first patience you should persevere with that and then with your with your skills and acumen and other things uh, you will get what you want but then uh, this is how it happens in real time so nothing is going to come you the moment you, you ask or you desire that is all a wish list but then to make it happen the dream job is always there as long as you are able to um, uh, be passionate about that and you are able to purpose and mixing these two uh you will be you know uh, really uh, on a rewarding career path right and it's very important like you said the world is constantly changing and if you don't continuously learn and evolve you're going to be left behind like i remember okay. over 30 not that i'm aging myself but over 30 something years ago i worked at a company and i was a receptionist way back then and okay. i remember these women they no one learned computers i mean they were kind of new back then and at one point the company had closed their doors and all i remember thinking is at that point as you know i was learning computers because you know i was still i was working part time in high school but going back i'm like now even receptionists you have to have you know computer skills and all i kept thinking back then is what are these women going to do they've been at that job for like 30 years but okay. they never evolved and you know they they never realized computers are coming on board now we have to learn this because they were just like and eh, not my job now it is your job now what are you going to do so you just always have to you know even if you don't want to learn about it just check the news check the chat rooms check everything and just say what's evolving and because you never know life can throw some pretty bad curveballs at you and as those women saw absolutely i do agree with you even now when i started my career i absolutely had no i haven't seen a computer in my life uh, 25 years ago mm-hmm. nor i didn't know what a mobile was all about nor any access to digital platforms it was everything you know uh, <laughs> difficult for me and during the process i also got an opportunity to author a book from a leading publisher in australia and believe me without an access to a laptop with a with a with a with a, with a aging uh, old computer i used to clean all the data it was such a cumbersome and a laborious task but still i i, I persisted i pushed on because mm-hmm. i my my passion was i really wanted to become a first time author right and despite all the constraint challenges and limitations it took me 6 months to uh, more than 6 to 8 months before i could complete the book but then all the hard work really paid off when i saw the book in my hand and that's the uh, satisfaction what you get mm-hmm. and all these worries and, and challenges will go away so i do agree with you yes it's uh, the path is going to be stormy difficult challenging but then as long as you're able to overcome that uh, as long as you're sure about your purpose and uh, passion mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a body yes yeah, so hard work pays off absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that's Now, I guess moving on to the topic of U- VUCA, can you explain what VUCA stands for and how it impacts the work environment? Well, uh, 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 most of us have been have uh, been experiencing a most stable and comfortable environment post uh, pre-COVID. Like uh, we had a very comfortable living; there was absolutely no chaos, no confusion, no mass death, etc. But the moment uh, COVID kicked in, then the whole world changed altogether, upside down, right? 
And that's why this term VUCA was extensively used as first the management paper. So the, it's an acronym. It stands for uh, volatile, uncertainty, complex, and ambiguous. That's the uh, abbreviation for VUCA. And uh, what is the essence in the current context is uh, companies are uh, facing a rapidly changing environment. And uh, the COVID has also compounded the problem. So it is not the normal way of working. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I understand is uh, employees are looking for different uh, ways and means of uh, doing work. It is not the traditional nine to five work. They're mm -hmm. looking for flexibility in terms of hybrid, working from home, remote, gig economy, a lot of things are fitting in. So how does uh, a company manage this uh, rapidly changing environment? That's where this VUCA concept uh, kicks in. And uh, for that, uh, what has happened is uh, uh, companies are coming up with different strategies, which we will discuss uh, in the next question or whatever. But then uh, people are recognizing that VUCA has to be adjusted. That's the first point. So you can't push it under the carpet saying that, okay, it's not going to happen. And uh, these type of uh, uh, black span events are, uh, can happen in the future, and companies are gearing up for that. So what does uh, the expansion for VUCA uh, mean all about? So when you it, when it talk about volatility, it talks about the unpredictable uh, situation that faces us. But things could change very quickly. And uh, when you talk about uncertainty, it talks about the, the environment that is full of uncertainty at times. And then we talk about complexity. There's a lot of integrated things that could that create chaos and confusion. And ambiguous is nothing but lack of clarity. That's the, uh, the core essence of VUCA. And uh, when I was... Uh, working during the uh, COVID period, this really meant a lot to the organization. So it was not just an acronym, it was about how do you manage UPA. And uh, companies were not ready in the first place because it was such a disaster and it was a painful experience for all of us uh, during the COVID period. So no company had a ready-made answer. But this gave some sort of a framework for companies to, to, to resolve this uh, uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. And that's where Nauka came, uh, uh, came as a buzzword and people started to talk across the management circles and they get to approach and across the leadership team to, to see that what can be done to, uh, to mitigate this problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's important. People, you know, if anything COVID showed us is that expect the unexpected, you know, and how do you navigate through it? You know, so most people go with the flow, but they're never prepared for the what if, you know. So, yeah. And uh, another dimension to that is... Uh, when I, when I was handling projects, uh, maybe uh, VUCA is a term, but then in terms of handling global projects, uh, we talk about risk management. Mm -hmm. So that's another concept which also uh, supports uh, managing VUCA. So what happens is uh, in a project, uh, definitely it doesn't go as per a plan. Uh, just, uh, we can think about uh, the normal situation, Patricia, like going from uh, going to work from home to office. It doesn't happen time the, 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 the traffic mess and a lot of other things disturbs our plan right it could be as simple as that i think about a project environment where a lot of uncertainty is picked. so as long as they're able to understand what risk is all about what is the probability what is the impact and how you mitigate risk what is the backup plan then you're on the right track but at least you should be aware and appreciate there's a possibility of a risk or an uncertainty that's going to pick only then you'll be able to manage uh, the uka concept that's the, the, the that's the bottom line of the I guess with the increasing VUCA nature of the business world, what are some strategies that companies can employ to keep their employees engaged? Well, uh, the VUCA has to start from the management level because uh, it has to come uh, top, or top, top to bottom. That's how the, the system works. So uh, it uh, starts from the management team, then it goes into the leadership team, to the mid-management, then across the length and breadth of the organization. 
the first you should be clear about how you are able to have a clear compelling vision it's not about the normal vision value of the company it's about the vision on how you can address buka that means you should have a clear compelling story saying that in case this is going to happen then employees are going to behave in this way okay that's how uh, you should uh, uh, take that uh, step similarly when you come to the mission is not the normal mission it's about how you can implement in real time so the employee should be uh, educated or informed about how to react when this type of an environment kicks in and then you talk about core values ethics forms the backbone of an organization so you can't take or short circuit or bypass any core or moral values that that goes along with an organization behavior so employees need to be educated informed that they still need to be ethical in their way of working they can't do anything that is bad or that can bring and uh, that can damage the reputation of the company so these three underlying factors are how Um, uh, management uh, uh, focuses on uh, addressing buka, and what happens is uh, they have uh, they they create four focus teams within the departments to ensure that this is disseminating from the top to the bottom, and then they discuss and see how employees can react, or they also look for suggestions and advices and and, uh, and suggestions to find ways and uh, solutions to address this uh, environment. So it is not only uh, from the management; it is also from the employees. And once they have a clear picture about how to address it in the future, then all these are documented. This becomes best practice over a period of time, and this is made accessible to every employee. So in case they have some similar situation, then they are free to refer that and then find a solution to that. So they are not, you know, again reinventing the wheel one more time. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me give you an example of how this was done in the earlier organization. We had a drafting problem in terms of an administrative issue, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And uh, employees were very, very stubborn not to accept the biometric way of entry because they felt that it was infringing uh, into the into the security, privacy, and many other things. But there was a lot, there was a lot of productivity dropped due to many many reasons. And management felt that it was high time they brought uh, in the biometric way of entering system. So uh, it was a big change, and employees were firmly resisting. They said, "No, I, I, we would not like to have this uh, electronic attendance." And we would simply like to come in at nine o'clock and leave at five o'clock. That's what they were saying. So how do you address this change? And there were more than three thousand employees in one building. It was a big problem for the management. So, uh, so, 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 so it, it had to be done in a way that we were able to take the confidence, slowly build in that uh, uh, case study for them, saying that it's going to be beneficial for them. They they can factor their own time if they want to extend the time. They can work overtime. They can compensate many things. So. A lot of use cases were prepared, and uh, it was uh, distributed and explained to all the teams, and they could really understand and and appreciate the benefits coming out of the electronic data management system for the attendance. And it took us more than three months to make it happen, and finally, all of them uh, really appreciated saying this is a good one, and it was a big change for the organization. So it doesn't happen overnight. So the management also persisted, and they went and shared their. Uh, Uh, the the case studies they said what was the purpose began that it was not to penalize someone but it was uh, in the benefit of the organization and for the employees and uh, uh, it finally happened in the end so so what I what I meant is like change is not uh, easy and the summer uka environment uh, it is much more difficult if you want to take it to the employees and as long as you are having a convincing case study uh, and then supported by use cases and then you are able to demonstrate on the ground then things start happening right. Yeah, I mean that's where I guess communications big. You know, it's a big thing, and not just from you know the high end talking to the low people, but the low people talk. You know, it's it. I always say we're all in it together. We all have the same goal for the company to succeed. So you need me, I need you. How do we make it work? Because 
the high end, they know what the rules are. They know what's expected. But the low men might say, that's where the experience comes in too, where they can say, well, you know, in order for this to happen, you know, here's what would be better, you know, and you kind of come to a happy medium what works as long as everybody has the same goal, you know. It can't be an employee who just says, well, I just want a paycheck to do the least amount of work. You know, you have to have the same goal and communication, you know, but that's that's pretty cool that you were able to pull that off. Just adding to what you said, Patricia, when you talk about communication, since I was an internal communication specialist as well, uh, one of the biggest challenges I found is uh, there was a lot of uh, top-down communication from the management. Mm -hmm. But when I went and talked to the length and breadth of the organization, a lot of employees, they said, yeah, absolutely, we have no clue about what is being circulated to us. We have no time to do something where it is not a part of my job description. Right. A lot of crazy responses. And the management was always confused, and they came and asked me, Samuel, we are trying to do our best to communicate whatever is required for them to work, but nobody's interested. They don't even open the official email and check what's being done. But the problem was, when I went and talked to them, they said, fine, there is a lot of communication coming from the CEO, from the management team, to the leadership team, to the employee, that is fine. But there is no channel for us to communicate what we wanted to communicate back to the management. Mm -hmm. That was a big gap in terms of uh, the communication. So when I went and talked to the management, they said, uh, let's okay, let's open up the channel. So we conducted monthly uh, meetings where employees would talk to the CEO, the management mm -hmm. team, express their concerns, share their uh, opinions and feedback so that uh, it was it was a two-way communication. Mm -hmm. So there was a dialogue. And that created a lot of uh, trust and mutual respect and cooperation. And things started to change mm -hmm. because people started to trust the management. So they said, okay, our voice is being heard. Our issues are being resolved. We have a space to communicate what we wanted. And then, and there was a lot of momentum building. Yeah. So once we provided the channel, then things uh, really in our, uh, moved in our face. Nice. I mean, communication is important. And even I've seen, you know, some companies where, you know, you might have an employee who says, you know, I have some issues, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be penalized. I don't want to get in trouble. So they would have like, um, like, I guess like in college where you'd have um, like the, I forget what the terms are, like headmistress or whatever, where you communicate to them and they communicate to the higher ups. They could have like a, a person in the middle or even like a, 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 like some companies have like a suggestion box in the back of the room. You want to honest, um, uh, anonymously put in your, your feedback yep. and yep. it would get read. So even if it's something that you're like, I think with the management doing it's horrible, but here's what I would do better, but I can't tell them that. Put it in the note, put it in there, and the management might even say, I don't agree with you, but I see where you're going with this. Or they might say, wow, I didn't even realize that. You know, but that's where the communication, because again, you all have to have the same goal. You want the company to succeed. And together, you know, you just come up with the best solution. So that's awesome that they actually finally did it. You see the results. Oh, yeah. And I recollect an incident that we have when I was an employee engagement manager. We uh, ran an uh, initiative called Net Promoter Score. Have you heard about that? NPS. Uh, it's an employee engagement survey, and uh, it was run across the length and breadth of the organization. And then uh, the idea was to ensure that uh, what are the things that would help employees to, to progress in the career path to be becoming more productive, uh, enhance the brand image, make our customers happy, and many other things. And uh, uh, the challenge is, uh, most of the questions or the issues raised by the employees where uh, the management was not in a position to resolve it immediately for various reasons and for legitimate and logical reasons. But the challenge, what I found is, it was important for me to communicate this to the employees. And once I did that, they really respected the management. They said, okay, our voice was heard. 
but at least they were pushing to give some response saying that maybe this could not be taken up at this point in time maybe six months down the line something can be resolved and that really worked in our favor because as long as you're silent then they're not going to participate in the next survey in a more purposeful way right and that for that you should have the guts and conviction to go back saying that okay there are 100 questions that is coming up maybe we prioritize 25 is going to be taken up this year with the next 25 the next uh, financial year and so on and so forth and once you give the plan and once they see that things are happening on the ground that's where the the momentum builds up. and that's where the the, the cooperation and collaboration kicks in and then uh, it really works in the favor of the organization as well as for the employee but the biggest challenge or uh, the biggest uh, learning that i found from that is you should go back to the employees and tell them what uh, what is happening on the ground don't hide anything to them and uh, be transparent and timely and once uh, you're able to do that then surely you know it's, uh, it's a good thing Nice. Yeah, people want to be heard. You know, they put in, you know, all their work into this. They're like, well, I'd like you to, or even just ask people, we succeeded yes. in this. What do you think about that? You know, then to be like, oh my God, you actually care what I think? You know, yeah, it was a lot of work, but we did amazing, you know, something. Just let people know that you recognize them, you know. Absolutely. Another technique which I, uh, which I used that work was it's management by walking. Uh, it's called the uh, MBA. So what I did is early in the morning, as soon as they come to work, I start going around the cubicles and just observing how employees are. Not even talking to them, just observing the body language. Are they cheerful? Are they uh, wishing each other? And uh, things like uh, that. And then uh, that gives a, a pulse of how employees are uh, feeling about the organization. And uh, and when the employees see me, they also feel encouraged. Okay, somebody is coming and seeing us. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a very good sign. Because normally, what happens in, the, in most of the management teams are busy. They don't even have the time to go and check how the employees feel, or they inquire what things are. Are they requiring any support? It doesn't happen. It just happens only during the performance uh, reviews every year, and that's something which is uh, not a good sign. So the moment you reach out to the employee, then uh, there is a, a positive vibe, and then uh, people start to respect you. They come to you, they ask for support, and you reach out to them, and there's a lot of bonding that happens. Right. And that I like it very, very much. Yeah. I mean, and there's such simple ways of doing it. Like, you know, it could be depending on how big the company is. If it's a decent sized company, you can have, you know, like a birthday calendar. Whose birthday is this week? We'll celebrate. Uh, there's yeah. many in a company. You could have a monthly, you know, on Absolutely. this Friday, we celebrate everybody for that month. But it lets them know that, wow, they actually, they care. You know, I mean, it, it yeah. makes, because if they're going to, if employees are going to put so much effort into a company, they just want to be seen and heard and know that you acknowledge me, you know, because so many, especially in the years of cubicles, you didn't oh, yes. know who people were. They were just, you just saw boxes and they were people, oh, yes. they were the slaves of the company and that's it. You couldn't tell yes. who anybody's name was, you knew nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just one more instance, uh, you, uh, you would have heard about the town hall meetings where all the CEOs and big people come and talk and then employees sit in a row and listen to whatever is being uh, rambled and then they walk away. And I, this happens in uh, in my company as well. So initially there will be around 1,500 people sitting when the meeting starts. Midway 500 will disappear. At the end of the day, there will be only hardly 100 uh, employees sitting. So it was uh, <laughs> such a demotivating and a demoralizing uh, uh, effect on the management team despite all the efforts to have. Uh, To showcase the event. So the grassroots problem was employees really didn't uh, understand why these meetings were held in the first place. They said it's a sheer waste of time. Mm-hmm. It is uh, distracting my job. And what is the outcome from the uh, town hall meeting? So I found out that uh, they really wanted to be on the stage. So I went and talked to this to my CEO, CEO, saying that, sir, 
please give an opportunity for the employees to talk about the success stories the milestones their troubles the hardships how they went about creating you uh, know uh, a, a customer uh, a satisfaction and then is going to change so we took this whole uh, step and in the subsequent town hall meeting a few employees who had done an outstanding work were given the first opportunity to come on stage and talk nice. and you can see how employees eyes you know their eyes goes by just mm-hmm. facing at the uh, at the stage you know things changed uh, dramatically because the voice was heard and they felt appreciated they felt that okay this is a platform for us to showcase our competencies the management team is there and a lot of my friends are sitting in front of me and i feel so happy it is much more than anything they could get in terms of uh, 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 rewarding me and uh, that became my best practice uh, in my company for a long time Nice. <laughs> and you see the results so that's awesome oh yes yeah <laughs> now how can employees prepare themselves to adapt and thrive in a vuk environment and what skills are essential well uh, as i said uh, the first uh, important criteria is uh, about accepting the change mm-hmm. uh, let me uh, quote an example when i was heading a, a technical documentation team we were being used for specific tools that is required for publishing the work but then we also felt there's a need for another tool that can uh, combine all these things together and have one unified way of working and this change was stubbornly refused by all the employees saying that we have been used to this tool for a long time it'll require a lot of vague training maybe i lose my job productivity will be lost i feel uncertain in the new uh, new job environment lot of other things which were quite genuine all this were genuine and very true uh, statements that needs to be addressed so how do you do that so th- th- there there was a need for them to give the proper training So as long as they're able to do that, then they feel that they are uh, taken into confidence. They are having the required competency. They get the skills to uh, to get the job done. And it was a six months period. We spent a lot of money, time on training and, uh, and development. Finally, things started to uh, fall in place. So, so the point here is, uh, you can't immediately enforce anything very quickly when it comes to uh, an UCA and that. You need to be you need to be empathetic. You need to understand what's the pain from the other side, and then try to address the problem one at a time. so the skills what is primarily required is is about change management and you should be uh, clear about your uh, reskilling and upskilling you should be willing to learn unlearn and relearn okay you need to be flexible mm-hmm. you need to be adaptable okay you should have an open mind and all these things are very critical for uh, navigating through an uka environment mm-hmm. and as long as you have the skills then pretty much you are on the or on the right path because if uh, you are stubborn to uh, to be Uh, uh non receptive to feedback then how is that even done i could see a lot of employees who never really listen to any feedback they feel that i know everything that's absolutely not the case and i have uh, given a lot of feedback to uh, quite a few employees saying these are some of the areas where you need to improve but they take it very lightly and finally they fail so if you are not willing to uh, to listen to constructive feedback then the scope for you to improve vanishes right that should not happen that's one of the things which i also found in real time so you should be having an open mind to receive feedback and take corrective action and for that one of the biggest stumbling block is your ego yeah as long as you're egoistic you won't be willing to learn or relearn and unlearn so, right. so that is another thing that you need to be very conscious of the fact that you uh, know you are it's not that everybody is perfect and complete you are having your own issues your limitations and you need to be very sure about how you rectify this issues going forward so these are some of the skill sets which are predominantly required when you face uh, a vuka and how can employees and employers work together to redefine the concept of a dream job in a vuka world yes 
Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a collaborative effort. Uh, uh, that the, uh, the direction will be coming from the management, and also it should come from the employees. Well. So primarily, it is about the career progression. So what I find is like more than the employee, uh, more than the the company pushing the employees for a career path. It's about you how you want to position yourself in the organization. As I told earlier, I define my own role in my organization in terms of an internal communication perspective. So so. So you need to be sure about how you want to move up in a career path. For example, in my team, I had a person who was very good in communication. Okay, but that person did not have any technical writing skills in terms of creating technical documents. So what I did is I asked the person to go through a technical writing certification, and once the certification was done, the person was inducted into the team, and then it, that person became a very good, accomplished, and a proficient technical writer. So, so, so the career path was defined, and the person was able to cooperate, understand, appreciate, and within a short span of time, the person became a lead. And finally, became a project manager to to head the global uh, technical writing project. So that's how you need to uh, uh, position yourself, and then you get the support from the organization. As long as you are you are showing your passion, your your purpose is there, then it's it's a the win-win for both because uh, the the company will understand that okay, as long as the employee is going to perform, it is going to be good for the company for the customer. So let's support and promote the employee. So it is going to be a mutual cooperation and collaboration, and then as long as that is going to gel. Then things are going to work in your favor. I guess. Can you give us some key takeaways on how both individuals and organizations can navigate the challenges of VUCA environments while striving towards a goal, towards the goal of achieving a dream job? Yeah. As I said earlier, uh, the dream job is a, it's a constantly evol- evolving mechanism. It's not stagnant. So uh, uh, that could be a case when somebody finds a dream job very quickly and they get uh, into a stagnated mode. Also, because they mm-hmm. felt that they have got that, and then there's no uh, nothing to take it forward. So that's another uh, downside of a train job. So what I feel is, from an uh, employee perspective, you need to be sure about doing your job, what has been assigned to you in a in a good way, in a productive way, in an ethical way. And be pur- be purposeful and be passionate about what you're doing. That's the first. Thing. Second thing is, you should be willing to learn, fail, and answer. And the third thing, you should have that uh, flexibility and adaptability. And the fourth. Thing is, you should be receptive to feedback. So all these things are essential to make your dream job happen. And there is nothing like a dream job tomorrow or day after tomorrow. Whatever job you are doing right now is your dream job. And as long as you are able to do it in a, in a good way, you can be very sure that you are going to move to a career path. Similarly, from the employees' perspective, they are going to give you a career path. They'll tell you this is how it is going to happen in your team, and this is the opening. This is the opportunity. Why don't you question yourself? Why don't you learn something? Why don't you collaborate? Why don't you invent something? And as long as you're able to plug onto this opportunity, then it's, it's a win-win for for the employees and for the and for the employee to uh, to ensure that you no know, that dream job concept is always being met in real in real time. That's how it happens uh, in reality. Mm. Nice. Anything else you want to talk about that what you're working on or anything that we haven't covered? I think we covered most of the uh, points what we want to discuss uh, this evening. Patricia, uh, I think we covered most of the points. So now, tell us how can people get a hold of you? Well, I I am active on LinkedIn, so I don't have a website as such, but then I am uh, always uh, uh, reachable and accessible on LinkedIn. So if mm-hmm. people want to connect with me, I can connect with them, network, and collaborate. Okay, cool. And I'll put the LinkedIn post on here also. So thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Gladstone Leslie Samuel. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you, Patricia. I really appreciate your time and efforts in uh, in setting up this podcast. I'm uh, really grateful for your time. 
and I'm looking forward uh, to the podcast whenever it is distributed on social Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.